Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to be with you all today. Pastor mentioned the diligence with which we checked him out, and I'm grateful that they didn't do that when I came in. (laughs) We all learn as we go along, but it's my honor to be with you all today for this service and for your business meeting later on today. I want to share with you today, I call it the Palm Sunday Parade. I'm going to read a couple of portions of Scripture And I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 20, and then I'm going to go to Mark chapter 10. Matthew chapter 20, and then Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read a little bit more than I usually do, but it's all appropriate because both passages are dealing with the same uh, experience in the Scriptures. So we'll start at Matthew chapter 20. We'll start at verse 29 if you want to turn there. Or flip there, or whatever you do when you're on your iPhone. I use the iPhone when I'm sitting where you're sitting. Um, So I know that some folks are doing that. Matthew chapter 20, we'll start at verse 29. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed Jesus. Behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more. You know, sometimes you just can't listen to your critics. When someone's telling you to be quiet, you might just need to shout a little bit louder. They shouted out all the more saying, Lord, have, have, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed Jesus. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken By the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So his disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set Jesus on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the palm trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Then we'll read some of this account in Mark's gospel, chapter 10. And I'm going to start at verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and as Jesus went out of Jericho, with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. And then Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received 
his sight. I'll stop there. Father God, I pray, Lord, today that the Spirit of the Lord who inspired the writing of the Word of God today would anoint the speaking, the preaching of the Word, and the hearing of the Word, God. And I thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Today we're going to take a fresh look at events surrounding what I call Palm Sunday Parade, or what we call Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about Jesus entering Jericho and Jerusalem and the healing of blind Bartimaeus. First thing I want us to notice is there are no contradictions here. Sometimes people will read something in the Bible and say, look, this verse contradicts that verse, so how can you trust the Bible that contradicts itself? And this is one of those examples. For example, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, it says, as they were going out of Jericho. But Mark's account says, as they were coming near to Jericho. So some people would look at that and say, that's a contradiction. Was he coming into Jericho? Or was he going out of Jericho? And if the gospel writers can't agree on what was taking place, how can we believe that the Bible is reliable for us all these generations and centuries later? Well, it's a very simple solution. At that time, Jericho was two cities. There was old Jericho and there was new Jericho. So as he was going out of one Jericho, he was coming into the other Jericho. So both authors, although they mentioned it separately, differently, they were both saying the same truth. So when people say the Bible is full of contradictions, they show they don't know what they're talking about. We shouldn't be spending our time looking for contradictions in the Bible because the Bible does not contradict itself. It is God's word. It is always true. It is always reliable. And another thing that they pick at sometimes, it says in Matthew's gospel that two men were blind and that two men who were blind were healed. But in Mark's account, it only speaks of one, and that is Bartimaeus. So was it two or was it one? Yes. There were two, and one of them was Bartimaeus. Mark just talked about Bartimaeus. He didn't say there were two. He just focuses on Bartimaeus rather than on the two. So again, it's not a contradiction. The Bible is accurate and true in both cases. You can always rely on the Word of God. When you can't rely on anything or anyone else, you can always rely on the Word of God to be true and accurate and relevant for your life. It never becomes irrelevant. And then I noticed something I call a new ride for Jesus. This was an event that was planned by Jesus in Mark's account. We'll read it in verses 1 to 6. When they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage, and to Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one is set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, Jesus wants it. And the guy will say, okay, take it. So that's what they did. They went and they got the donkey. The guy said, what are you doing? They said, well, the Lord needs your donkey. He said, yep, that's why it's there. Go take it to Jesus. That's my paraphrase. So as we look at that, we notice a couple of things. First of all, this event was prophesied. This very simple event, going to get a donkey, a colt of a donkey, uh, was prophesied by Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9, says all this was done, Matthew quotes it, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So that was prophesied by Zechariah, but it was also planned by Jesus. Because as Jesus was getting ready to go into Jerusalem for what we call the triumphant entry, he made the plans. Whoever owned the colt, he had talked to before. Obviously, he said, hey, this is the day I'm coming. Make sure you got that colt ready for me. And then before he comes into Jerusalem, he tells his disciples, 
two of them to go and to get the colt and to bring it. So all of that came about because Jesus planned it. But it was God who worked it all out. And I point that out because, you know, sometimes the will of the Lord and the work of God is done in our, the normal everyday events of our life. God knows what's going on. We make plans. We make decisions. We take action. But it is the Lord who brings all things to pass according to his will. So often we get caught up looking for the sensational and the supernatural when really if we would just live our lives for Jesus, God's will takes place in the everyday moments of life. Don't discount the normal everyday living out of life with Jesus because it's all relevant and it's all important, whether it's major or sensational or just riding a donkey in the town. And then coats and cloaks are not required. Sometimes you used to see these restaurants that have a sign that said, no shirt, no shoes, no service. In this case, we're talking about coats or cloaks. So Jesus is coming in to Jericho, or going out of Jericho, depending on your perspective. And these two blind men, one of who is Barnabas, hear that Jesus is coming. So they start crying out and asking God to help them. And as they were doing that, it tells us in Mark's gospel that Jesus stood still. And then he called and said, what do you want? And then it tells us that Bartimaeus says, I want, but they both said, I want to be healed. And so they came to Jesus. Why did Jesus stand still? Because it's hard for a blind man to find a moving target. (laughs) He had to stand still and talk so they could hear his voice and follow it to come to Jesus. And so that's what Bartimaeus did. You know, there are times when we can't see where God is. There are times we can't see where he's leading. We can't see what he's doing. But if we will listen, he will speak to us. And When he speaks to us, we know his voice and he can help us to find him, even though we don't know where he's at. So you've had those experiences in your life where you're not sure where you are. But God will... Jesus will put it on hold. He will speak to you and give you the opportunity to find his plan and his purpose and his direction for your life. It's not hard to find Jesus. He's not a moving target. He's always right there. Just let him speak to you and you'll find him easily. The interesting part of all of this, Bartimaeus, as far as we know, has been blind all of his life. Never seen so much as a ray of sunlight. What Bartimaeus does when Jesus calls to him, this is why I'm wearing this heavy. This is my beggar's cloak. It says his garment. It was a beggar's cloak. And he took his cloak off and he threw it. I was, I was throwing at him. I'm sorry. <laughs> he took off his beggar's cloak and he threw it away. And then he came to Jesus. Bartimaeus throwing away his cloak, or his beggar's cloak, was like you leaving your credit card at the mall. Once it goes, it's gone. You know, you lose your, have you lost your credit card? And, or been afraid of that, that you'd lost it, and what's going to happen to it now? Who's going to run up the bill? This is important because, as again, as I said, that was a beggar's cloak. That cloak, or that garment that he had on, was a Roman government-authorized beggar's cloak. The Roman government would verify you, and if you truly had the inability, blindness or lameness, 
you got a cloak that you could wear so you could legally beg. I think we need that today as I drive through cities. When I come to stop signs, I want to say, where's your beggar's cloak? You know, you know that you're giving to a valid need. So he had this which Rome had given him so he could beg and receive money. Just let people know, like ourselves, that when you see this person, Rome has investigated it, and it's valid, and it's real. Bartimaeus had trusted in that cloak all of his life. Without that cloak, he had no provision. If he was a mother who was a widow, the family would take care of her. As a man, he didn't necessarily have that privilege or that opportunity. So this gave him his provision in life. It also, sad to say, gave him his identity. Who is Bartimaeus? He's that beggar. Not the greatest identity to have in life. But that's what his identity was. He wasn't proud of it. He couldn't change it. He couldn't do anything about it. That's who he was. That's what he was. It gave him his provision. It gave him his identity. Bartimaeus' life became much better when he quit trusting in that cloak. Thank you. I'll not throw it again. I throw baseballs just as badly. Okay. (laughs) He had been holding on to this desperately. All of his life. It never got away from him. If it ever got off of him, he was holding it. If he was asleep, he was covered in it. This was in his possession 24 hours a day, every day of his life. This was his everything. But on this day, it became his nothing. And he threw it away. I told you I'm going to throw it again. For the first time in his life, he got rid of this. Because what he decided was, I'm going to not trust this anymore. It had given him everything he ever had all his life. I'm not going to trust this anymore. Jesus is coming. I'm going to trust Jesus. And he made that decision before he received his sight. What an act of faith. Because once he throws it away and gets up, it's gone. Even if it wasn't gone... He's a blind man. He couldn't find it. You know, if Jesus doesn't heal him, he's in bad shape. (laughs) He's still a beggar, but now he's a poor beggar, a much poorer beggar. But he's made this decision of faith. Before he receives his sight, I'm going to throw that away. I'm going to trust Jesus. He's going to heal me, and I'm going to live a different life. And his life became so much better because he quit trusting in something that he had been holding on to all of his life. I say that because you know what? We have issues. And sometimes there's something in our life that we just feel like we can't do without. Not only does it give us stuff, we identify with that. If I lose that, who am I? What would I do without that? And sometimes it keeps us from moving forward in faith. It keeps us from being who God wants us to be or doing what God wants us to do because we're holding on to something and we don't have the courage to let go of it to do what God wants us to do because doing God's will may say, get rid of that. And we have a hard time letting go of things. 
But his life became a lot better when he let go of that beggar's cloak. First of all, he received his sight. He no longer had to beg. He was no longer called Bartimaeus, that poor blind beggar. That was no longer his identity. And now he was going to rely on, he didn't have to worry about relying on the generosity of others. That's a frightening thing to do. Rely on other people's generosity. Because if you're relying on my generosity, you'd be hungry. You know? And I'm the generous one in my family. You know? so <laughs> but uh, no longer would he have to rely upon people he never saw to drop a little money in his basket. Never had to worry about it again. Rather than that, now he's going to rely on new skills that the Lord would give him. And no longer, this is the best thing, no longer is his identity a beggar. Now he's a seeing, walking, trusting friend of Jesus. He's that guy that Jesus healed. What a a different identity! And again, he took this act of faith before Jesus healed him. And Jesus honored his faith. How could you not honor that faith, especially for Jesus, to see a man throw away his livelihood, his identity, and come to you blind as a bat still, trusting that if you don't heal him, his life is worse. The devil would tell you, better not do that. You don't know how bad things can go. What happens if it doesn't work? That crowd, shut up. Oh, never mind, he's called you. How fickle our critics can be. Criticizing us one moment, then encouraging us the next moment because they're just like a leaf in the wind. So his life became a lot better. And again, there might be some things that Christians rely on other than Jesus. There might be some people here today, you are wonderful people, but even good people have issues. And sometimes there might be something that God's dealing with us about. But there's something we've been relying on. And you're not going to be where God wants you to be. And you're not going to do what God wants you to do until you let go of it and go forward. You can trust Jesus. I want to to encourage you with that. The devil would tell you what's going to happen. Jesus is going to (laughs) happen. Jesus, it's, it's going to be okay. God will take care of you. He has never let anybody down. He has never failed anybody. And he's not going to start failing you. So you can trust the Lord more than you can trust whatever that other thing was. Those other things sometimes hold us back. Jesus never held anybody back. He sets people free. Makes them productive in his kingdom. But also you'll find a better identity in Jesus. When you quit trusting and relying upon anything else other than Jesus. We have to be honest though. Wonderful as that miracle was for Barnabas, he gained a few new problems because he trusted in Jesus. I know you trust in Jesus. That doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. Barnabas had some issues. First of all, now he had to find a job. What a wonderful problem for a former blind beggar to have. He wouldn't trade places. I don't think Bartimaeus would say, Oh, Jesus, blind me again. I want to go back to begging. No, he gets to go find a job now. This actually happened. 
David Amsler, our former district youth director, was preaching. They were praying. People were being healed in the church service. It was incredible. And they went to go to pray for another person, and that person stopped and said, No, don't pray for me, because if you pray for me, God would heal me, and I'd lose my disability check. I actually said that. That's great faith, isn't it? So he had to find a job. Didn't have much of a resume, but he's going to find a job. And he'd have to learn a new trade. He'd never worked with his hands before in his life. He'd never seen his hands before in his life. What a wonderful problem for a former blind beggar to have. I get to learn a trade. Isn't that awful? No, that's wonderful. I get to be useful. When you trust Jesus with your life, your life will be much better. But you're going to have a few problems because you trusted Jesus. You need to view that in the right perspective. Life with Jesus and new problems is a whole lot better than life without Jesus and your old problems. So now that you have Jesus, let go of your old problems. You know, trust in Jesus instead. Now, another wonderful thing about Bartimaeus is that he encouraged others to throw away their cloaks as well. In Mark's gospel, you know, they're coming into Jerusalem and people are taking their garments and they're throwing them in front of Jesus. And they're taking their palm branches and they're throwing them in front of Jesus. They're doing that because of what Jesus had done for Bartimaeus in Jericho. They didn't have beggar's cloaks. They were all working, seeing, healthy people. But they were responding to Jesus in a similar way. They threw down whatever they had, their outer garments or branches, whatever they could find, to throw it in front of Jesus. And like Bartimaeus, they were doing the two things that he did. They were crying out to Jesus and saying, Lord, help me with my problem. Because even if you're seeing, doesn't mean you've got no problems. I've learned everybody's got problems. I go to my son's church, and we, we do T-shirts. And the first T-shirt we made was, we all got problems. Because you don't have to be around people very long to realize, everybody's got a problem. So they were crying out with whatever the needs were. God help me. God save me. God forgive me. God fix me. I'm broken. They're all th- they're seeing what Jesus had done for Bartimaeus, and they're asking Jesus to do the same thing for them. And they're crying out and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, like Bartimaeus did. And it says they followed Jesus. Lord, I'm going to follow you like Bartimaeus. I've come here to see you, but now I'm going to, my life is different. I'm not going to be a visitor. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus the rest of my life. The faith that Bartimaeus displayed in Jericho encouraged the people in Jerusalem to trust Jesus. When Jesus passed by Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus in spite of the crowd. When you decide to trust Jesus and let go of that other thing, you'll have people who'll be saying, you should, not, you should not do that. I did that to my son-in-law because I'm a great man of faith and power. Uh, he was a roofer. He worked for a large roofing company. And my daughter convinced him to go out on his own. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. He was making good money. Uh, he, he had health insurance provided at no charge for the whole family. That's a lot of money. He had good retirement. That's great. I'm a preacher. We got no retirement. 
You know, they don't do that for preachers, you know. So I'm thinking, honey, shut up. <laughs> Leave that boy alone. It's, it's security. That was my concern. This is security. What are you going to do? So I, I, great faith I had, I said, listen, Jamie, what you need to do is just try it for a while. Keep your day job and do these on the, on the side. No. He jumped in with both feet. Quit his job the next day. Storm went through Kentucky, and he got all the roofing business he could start, all he could do. It was incredible. He started out, guns are blazing, everything going great. Not houses, commercial properties, large properties, airports, hospitals. Boom, all of a sudden, and they're doing wonderfully. You're going to have people who, are, people who love you, who care for you, and are expressing concerns, and they're saying that you've got to have security. No, you've got to have Jesus. That's the best security in the world. If you know it's the Lord, you've got to have Jesus. That's your best. So be, be ready when you decide to follow Jesus and let go of other things. There will be people that love you and that you love who will give you advice contrary to what you know is the voice of the Lord speaking to your heart. Always listen to Jesus. Always listen to Jesus. So the preaching of the gospel and the ministry of the Holy Spirit I believe Jesus is passing by every church service today. I'm afraid he's disappointed. Because I'm afraid he goes to church after church after church. Listen. Is there anybody in this place crying out to me? I hear the songs. I hear the preaching. I hear the conversations. It's a good fellowship. There's some spiritual experience. But is anybody in that place ready to let go of something and get a hold of me? Is there anybody in that church crying out to me for a need to have in their life? He came here today with that quest in his heart. So somebody here Cried out to me for me to help them with whatever their need is, whatever their problem is, whether it's salvation, forgiveness, cleansing, healing, provision, whatever it is. There's somebody here in the depth of your heart. You're just saying, God, I can't get to it myself. It's not, I'm not, I just need you, Jesus. I'm crying out to you, Jesus. We have to ask ourselves a question Are we going to fear the crowd and remain silent? In our need and in our pain, maybe in our sin, or are we going to cry out to Jesus? We're we going to just sit there in church like we get pretty comfortable. You know, Bartimaeus was comfortable in his beggar's chair. He'd learned to get comfortable in that life. Sometimes we just we get comfortable with the needs and issues we have. And if that's how you want to live it, that's, that's your decision. But I think Jesus is asking some folks, are you ready to be discomforted to get closer to me, to get what I have for you? So are we going to just sit there like we've done so many times in the past, or are we going to get up, come to Jesus with our needs and our desires and start following the Lord? Why don't we all stand? Worship team, if you'd like to come back.
lay a song of some time because we Pentecostals, we can't pray without music. Uh, I'm done, but I'm going to open the altars or you can make an altar where you are. I don't know how your church does the invitation time. I'm sure you do. But if there's anybody here today and you need God's help in your life in some way, I don't have to see it. You don't have to come to me. But right there where you stand, you could call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, please help me, Jesus. You might want to come up to the front and pray. You might want the pastor to pray with you. If there's anybody here and you, need, you want to get saved, you've got to let go of the world. You can't straddle that fence. You can't be one foot in the world, one foot in the church. You've got to, it's all or nothing with Jesus. You've got to let it all go. And say, I'm coming to Jesus. I still remember October 13th, 1974, First Assembly of God, Bloomington, Indiana. This sinner boy cried out to Jesus. Nobody could hear it. It was a very silent whisper. But the Lord heard it. And he changed my life. And he's been with me ever since. I want to pray. They're going to lead us in a song of worship. And if you want prayer, if you'll come, we'll be happy to pray with you. I'm sure they have a prayer team. Or if you want to just call out to Jesus where you are. Don't stay silent today. Come to the Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, O oh God, that wherever we are, whatever we're going through, You come to us and you stand there and you call us. I believe, God, today you're calling somebody. And all they need to do is let go of something. Come to you and cry out to the Lord, just as Bartimaeus did, and say, Oh, God, help me, Father. I pray, God, today as we bring this service to a close before it ends, as we linger and worship for a moment, that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to hearts and speak to minds and souls. And whoever it is that needs to let go, cry out. Spirit of God, lead them. Can't do it without your help. But Spirit of God, lead them. Help them. Let go of whatever it is to cry out to the Lord and find their answer in Him. In Jesus' name, Amen.